everyone, and welcome to another Bible study here at One Love Live at Love Walk. And I am your host, Lila Winston. I pray that you are well and God is blessing in your life. And uh, as you know, we come together to read in the Word of God so that we can practically apply it to our lives, and also so that we can discover the purpose of our lives. And so today we're actually going to look again at our purpose, but um, I'm not looking at specifically like what your purpose is or my purpose is, although we might touch on it briefly. What I do want us to look at is something that I think, um, hmm, I'm trying to find a way to say it that, you know, sometimes when you become a believer, uh, you might be steered in a particular direction and you think that is the way to go, but I want you to take some wisdom from the seed and I want you to take some wisdom from the sower as well as the idea of parables and what Jesus Christ is saying to us as we mature as believers. So I want us to find that in Mark chapter 4 verse 12. That's our anchor text today. It's Mark um, chapter 4 verse 11 to 12. Let's read 11 to 12, okay? That's our anchor text and I will start now. And he said unto them, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables, that seeing they may see, and not perceive, and hearing they may hear, and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted, and their sins should be forgiven them. That's Mark chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. And you guys know, I've told you before, that this is not the easiest um, scripture, at least for me uh, as a believer. And, you know, it just is what it is. And I am growing from that. I'm learning so much more. And it's I'm getting more, you know, uh, I guess you would say peace about it. But the reason I wanted to read this one is because in Mark chapter 4, in verse 12 specifically, God just explained a seed to us when he explained the parable, okay? It is a tree hidden in a seed. That is what a parable is. We cannot see the kingdom of God because it's hidden in man. Do you understand he's also explaining the kingdom of God as well? The kingdom of heaven is within you, according to Luke chapter 17, verse 20 and 21. And if you will take these moments, including the context around how God, I'm sorry, how Jesus Christ sat down to teach the things that he taught, sometimes he was kind of teaching about the very moment he was teaching in. And it's kind of ironic if you look at it. But let's look at Luke chapter 17, verse 20 and 21. It says, when he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God comes not without observation. Neither shall they say, Lo here or lo there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. That's Luke chapter 17, verse 20 and 21. These are dark sayings because they're talking about parables, right? The parable of God are like seeds, and seeds are like parables. If you just look at a seed, you won't know what's in it. If you just look at a parable, you don't know what's in it. Or a proverb, you'll just read it and go, ah, I don't get it. Um, have you ever read, you know, proverbs from different countries and different cultural, you know, traditions? Sometimes it takes a little while to figure out what exactly they are saying by that. 
In verse 12, it says, Seeing they may not perceive, hearing and not understand. That, my friend, is the definition of a seed. It is a tree, but you can't see it because it's hidden in the seed. You cannot know it's a tree unless it is planted in good soil, and God gives it the increase. And so while he's talking about seeds, and he's talking about planting, and he's talking about these parables, he's doing the very same thing when he's sitting down there, right? Because, you see, I'm not soil, and I'm not water, and I cannot make the seed grow. So when they fall on the ground, good ground, it is then that they open up and yield and produce some 30, some 60, and some 100-fold. So when you hear the word of God, it should sprout new revelation. In fact, it says that for disciples or for the good ground, they are given or permitted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. And it says that specifically in verse 11 of our anchor text. And this is the same truism for the good ground and also the word of God. When it falls into the heart of good ground or good heart, it reveals what was hidden in the seed. In the very same way with parables, the mystery of God appears. They're revealed. However, this is what happens many times. Sometimes, if you are a believer, and oftentimes we're kind of shoehorned if we feel that we have a close connection with God, we are taught to think, okay, go to seminary and become a pastor. But sometimes, if a pastor struggles to gain a new revelation from the Word of God all the time, it means maybe he's not a teacher of the Word. He might be a pastor, but he may not be a teacher of the Word of God. And so I think that you know, as you grow as a believer, you have to find out what God is making you. And oftentimes we think that immediately means you're a pastor or, I don't know, whatever other positions are in the church, right? So we often conflate pastor with teacher and even elder. And we do this quite badly in the body of Christ. I'm so sorry, but we do. And if you are a new believer or whatever, you know, I want you to take a moment before you just jump into, you know, something like that. So the confusion comes in is that, you know, the true fruit and contributions that a person is called to provide to edify the body of Christ is not always done through pastoring. It is possible to be an elder and not be a pastor. It is possible to be a pastor and not a teacher. A pastor is not one who has the gift of teaching, but the gift of pastoring. The Bible says we should all be apt to teach, and this means we should all be able to teach, but we are not on the level of the teacher in the same way that the man who has the gift of faith has all these amazing things happening in his life that others don't have. And the reason I want to delineate this point, and as we talk about parables and we talk about seeds, is because you are growing into what God wants you to do, what he wants you to accomplish on the earth. He's using you like, you know, you're a resource or a tool. He has a reason for you. And unfortunately, um, sometimes the framework we have uh, for people in the brick and mortar church is just pastor, evangelist, and um, I think there's one more, pastor, evangelist, 
I can't think of the other. But the point is, is that we have this very small framework when there's actually a very huge and voluminous volume of things that you could be doing, even if you just think about the permutations of the gifts and the administration and the workings alone. So without the gift, we should not try to come up with more miracles or more sermons and teachings or more prophecies when we really don't have that gift. And that is probably one of the unfortunate banes of a lot of people who are in, you know, ministry is that sometimes they're kind of in a position that doesn't fit their actual gifting. And so when we start acting out of our true strength, I'm sorry, out of our own strength rather than the power of God, then it becomes tiresome, then it becomes troubling, then it becomes a drag to do, and and it becomes hard, right? Instead, we should be happy with the revelation that we get, what miracles God did for us, what lessons we learn to teach. You know, God's gifting and purpose is trying to grow in your life like a seed. And that's what I want you to understand. You know, we went over the talents in our talent series, or I'm sorry, we went over the gifts of the spirit in our talent series, and we realized that there's all these different gifts that contribute to a person's purpose. And so it's kind of like a seed growing inside of you, just like our Lord said in Luke, that this the kingdom of God is within you. Oh, your gifting is growing within you, right? If you're yielding to the Spirit of God and, you know, you're being obedient, it can grow. You're not quenching the Spirit. And what you have, what is growing inside of you, it just may not be a pastor. You may not even be in a church at all. Like, never, right? So the pressure to become a pastor sometimes is the thing that happens for a particularly gifted believer. And it may not be pastoring, right? or even in the way that we think of being a pastor, because I think that there's some confusion surrounding what a pastor actually is. This is my heartfelt belief, because if you think about what a pastor is, and you think about, you know, what the modern uh, Western, well, you know, I won't even say Western, because I, I find it in plenty of traditions around the world when it comes to Christianity, this idea of this this person, you know, on a stage or at a pulpit or in front of a group of people teaching or preaching some kind of message. And that is not actually what a pastor is, right? As a pastor, your job is to guide your flock. And so I want to make a distinction here so that you can understand that maybe this, is this your calling or not? And so while we're talking about what the talents are, there's actually a series called The Calling, and it talks about, you know, the five callings, including a pastor, including a teacher. And I hope you'll take the time to read those so that you can see the difference. But I want to outline a couple of things here. That if you're a pastor, if your job is actually to guide your flock to places to eat or feed on the word of God, it doesn't mean that's what you do. <laughs> like you give the word every single Sunday or every Wednesday or whatever. That's a, If you did that, that would mean you would have to have had a teaching gift. But that's not necessarily a pastor, right? The shepherd doesn't grow grass in his house. He leads sheep to pasture. <laughs> and so I think if we need to, we need to understand the functionality of what a pastor is. 
right? You lead sheep to pasture. You know, the Bible teaches people um, with a word of wisdom, or let's say you have a word of knowledge, you can edify people in that particular way. But, you know, if you don't have that on a consistent basis, that's not something you're going to be able to deliver consistently. So, I mean, the, the pastor is not a teacher, and, and I think we need to understand that, especially in our modern context, because I think we have come to believe that now a pastor can be a teacher if he has that gift, but not every pastor is a teacher, and not every teacher is a pastor, and that's so critical to understand, okay? And we actually have it set up in the church so that the pastor is the lead teacher and the lead teacher is the pastor. And that is not always the case. And I think people struggle with that. It's a man who leads people to the things that they need and cares for them. That's really what a pastor is. And I think Psalms chapter 23 is really great. If you feel that you are a pastor or you're just a Christian and you're trying to kind of find your way um, you're, you're understanding your purpose. I want you to understand what a pastor does. I want you to look at Psalms chapter 23, verse 3. It says, He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. That's Psalms chapter 23 and 3. Notice how it says, He leads me. If you want to know the role of a pastor, read Psalms 23. <laughs> the pastor leads, he guides, he's there with his sheep. You know, he restores, he comforts, he prepares a table, but not the food, right? He anoints. These are things that a pastor does. He's caring for sheep. He's not necessarily digging up grass. You know what I mean? If you've ever gone to a pastoral society, um, you will notice that the shepherds, the goaters, um, the cow herders or whatever those people are called, ranchers, they lead them to the grass. They lead them to the food. Let's look at Psalms chapter 23, verse 2 and 5, and I want you to note the operative words. It says, He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. That's Psalms chapter 23 verses 2 and 5. So these are things that only someone um, really close to you can do, right? You know, if I'm far away from you, it's kind of hard for me to comfort you. It's kind of hard for me to, you know, um, you know, anoint your head with oil, right? So a pastor must be very close to his sheep and they follow him everywhere he goes. And I would like to submit to you that if you really, really, truly have the gift of pastoring, your actual flock is probably the five to 12 believers that are actually around you. That's probably your flock. And yes, you can have sheep in other places through the miracle of communication or social media, but your best work is in your immediate vicinity. You know, your gifts may work in different ways, so, you know, I'm not going to make it a hard, fast rule, 
sure, you can help people over social media and through communications and all kinds of things like that, but some of your best work is going to be right in your own vicinity. And we, when we conflate the role of pastor with teacher, we get men and women who may have great teaching gifts but zero capacity to care for sheep. Or we might get people with great capacity to lead sheep but no consistent revelation from scripture like a teacher would. This is why knowing the gifts and distinguishing among them is important and that's why I try to lay it out and I want you to kind of think to yourself, meditate about you know, some of the things that you see and experience in your own life so that you are not confused and you don't step into something that you know there isn't a spiritual gifting for. So when we don't make the distinction, it results in, let's say, a poor reverend that's on Thursday and he's just desperately trying to find anything to preach on Sunday because he's a pastor. He's not a teacher of the word of God. And I think this is unfortunate because it forces people into some terrible things because that's just not their gift, right? It can be so dire. It can lead people to feel inadequate. They can feel like they're not called by God. I think that's one of the saddest ones just because you don't have a word from God every week you know or you can't think it up you know you're not a pastor right it can feel make people feel you know that they have this imposter syndrome they can even start telling small tales or tall tales and anecdotes just to make up a sermon they even can plagiarize to make a sermon because they just don't have that gift and they're now acting in their own strength and it's because we've confused the role of pastor with teacher it can lead to those people who are not really pastors let's say you are actually a teacher but you're not a pastor um and, or let's say you're not a, a, a pastor but you're a great teacher you can just become like this seldom seen sort of CEO speaker guy or gal shrouded in mystery, <laughs> floating onto the scene and floating off rather than someone who's in the trenches engaging with everyday life and the growth of the sheep. And people, unfortunately, are cruel and, you know, very harsh in judgment to both of these extremes. Um, you know, because they don't understand that there is a confusion there and it's put people in a bind when that's not really what they do, right? You know, you're, and a lot of people think that they're shy or they're introverted, um, but it's that you're not equipped to be a pastor and God didn't build you it. And, and I will just say, I don't even really believe in those classifications of introversion simply because I did a little research and found out the origins. And so that kind of changed my understanding of it. But I think that that's why it's so important to kind of really study the word of God is because you might be being pigeonholed into a role that doesn't always exist, right? The truth is that what you are is going to come out of you, not something else. If you're not really a pastor, if you're not really a teacher or any of these other super fantastic gifts, you're going to struggle a lot. It's impossible because it takes the spirit of God to be that consistent. It's entirely supernatural. I think we forget that about even pastoring. It's above the natural. But this is precisely why God gave the gifts so you wouldn't be doing these things in your own strength, right?
right? God has made you just like the parable and the seed that we just talked about. And that is why I wanted to bring this up is because God is trying to get the the thing that he made you to come out of you, not this idea that others may have for you. You see, the word of God yields its mysteries to all believers in the way that they are to grow. God is a seed within and that's the seed that begins to grow right his word we don't know what he's growing in us often until a bit later in life some people have the advantage of their purpose being actually prophesied and that's super like you're on your way way to go he probably has something huge for you to do you needed to know up front and so you know good good for you but this is not always the case for everyone Many times the word grows in us and life happens and we begin to see the kind of seed that God has planted in us. And we realize that we thought God wanted us to be X or Y, a pastor or I don't know, an elder, when really he made us an apostle. Or we thought he made us a prophet when really we're just a teacher of the word of God. This isn't something to feel ashamed of or even regretful about. Maybe you didn't understand that pastor-preacher is not always the same thing. You know, maybe that was something that Timothy was, maybe that was something that Paul was, but that's not a hard, fast rule when it comes to a pastor or even a teacher. It's something that we have to learn, right? You know, I used, I will make an, um, I will share something with you and be honest. Um, I used to feel really bad about those stats that used to talk about the number of pastors that were walking away from the pulpit. It used to make me feel so sad, like, what's happening, oh Lord? But now that I truly understand purpose and gifting and calling much better, I realize that this is actually a good thing. Yes, it is a good thing. Mm -hmm. I absolutely believe it. Because these men and women must find their true calling in Christ. And that's not always a pastor. And that's not always a teacher. Okay? And that's not always a prophet. And you know what? If I'm just going to be 100% honest with you, sometimes that is not always in church. God wants you to follow the path he has for you. Paul was a teacher of the word of God. He was also a tent maker. You can be more than one thing at once. You can possess more than one gift. You can be an evangelist with prophecy, an apostle with a word of knowledge and faith, or even a believer called to use your gifts of miracles and wisdom and discernment to change your nation. What does the word of God become in your life? I think that is probably one of the most vital questions to ask someone who professes the faith. You see, God's words are life, as it says in John 6, verse 63. God's words are Christ, as we learn in John 1 and 1. God in us is the Holy Spirit, and we decide that we're not going to quench him. That is when things change. We begin to see him grow in all areas of our life, and we begin to see fruit. You see, God's word is producing in you what you truly are what you pretend to be, or even what others want you to be, or even what society forces you to be. The Word of God is like a seed, and when it begins to grow in you, it starts kind of sticking and poking out in uncomfortable ways, like a root or like shoots from the ground. 
You thought you were a prophet, but as that word grows, you realize you're a teacher. Or you were once a pastor, but now that blade and that fruit of evangelism is beginning to show up in your life. So you try to think of the Hulk or the werewolf, and I know this is so crazy to say, but I'm just going to be honest. Like, think about that. What is inside is what needs to come out. You know, the werewolf, he looks like a regular man, but then when the moon comes out, (laughs) he turns into this wolf or the Hulk. See, what God formed in you when you were inside of your mother will eventually force its way out of you, so don't quench it. You will be amazed to learn what kind of tree you are. And when you start seeing the fruit in your life, you'll know. I think that's why a lot of people do walk away from the pulpit. A lot of people walk away from certain things because they start realizing, Oh, God has made me something else. Imagine the apple tree who thought he was a fig tree. And then he starts seeing these big, bright red things popping out all over during harvest season. I'm an apple tree. See, you'll start to see the patterns and note the people who come to you for help and edification and you will see what God is making you. This is why we must not label everyone a pastor who wants to do the work of God and not everyone who can teach our pastors, right? And so finally, I want to point something out about elders. And if you get a chance, there's actually a Bible study here that talks about the um, offices of elders and deacons and bishops. But I want to point out and underscore about these titled sort of uh, offices that they should be chosen by the entire body that they seek to serve because of their reputation and because of their conduct that everyone can see. So we have people who are knighted elders you know, by a committee of elders or, and, you know, if we're honest, a committee of friends. And so the trouble with that is that friends are willing to overlook some little things here and there, but your flock should not. They should want someone who, you know, or your flock won't (laughs) because they need someone who um, really meets all of those characteristics. And so they should all have some say. And that is a good thing about eldership, is that they are appointed by those who are being served by that elder. Now, I don't know what your process is. There's a specific process in the Bible. I think you should check it out. Um, I would recommend checking out that um, Bible study. I will try and link it. But elders, deacons, are bishops, and bishops are selected by the people they serve. And they must be of some sort of age. You know, they have to be kind of older uh, in the case of elders and bishops, not so much with deacons. So the idea of those that are selected to lead implies that there's a level of maturity that is necessary, you know. And so we see that also in pastoring as well, because an elder and a bishop, they kind of pastor in a way as well. So it's possible you may not have that gift of pastoring, but age and time and experience gives you some level of ability to be able to pastor. But the gift of pastoring is supernatural, and I think that's what we have to understand. And so it is above what is natural, and that makes it possible for someone with this gift to actually perform this role without the advantage of advanced age and experience. 
right? You know how we talked about in wisdom and in knowledge, there's certain intel that you will get based on the spirit because it's supernatural, it's above natural, and it gives you this capacity that others don't have. That's the same thing with pastoring. I think we've made pastoring into, I guess, too basic if you want to know. It's it's a real role. It has a real um, operation. It takes supernatural ability to be able to shepherd men and women, okay? Like, this isn't a small thing. And it's not just being a leader or a religious sage. It takes tenacity. It takes grit. It means getting into the trenches with people and pulling them out of their mess and their stupidity and their helplessness. Some people, I do believe many Christians have this gift, and they really don't realize that they have it. You know, because you have to understand sheep are kind of stupid. <laughs> so you need to be someone who's really on your P's and Q's to be able to pastor humans, right? Or sheep, right? So I think it's important to understand that um, that's a gift. And it doesn't, it's not always, and it shouldn't always be conflated with being a teacher, right? God often gives people who are pastors this capacity. That's not a hard or fast rule, right? So I want you to assess yourself. And that is what I'm hoping that you will do today from this Bible study, is that if you believe that God has a work for you, I don't want you to rush to put on, you know, a tunic and, and you know, become a pastor or something. I don't want you to rush to anything. I want you to assess yourself and do that in prayer. Take some time to reflect fast see what the seed of God's word is growing in you. And if you feel you are a pastor, I want to leave you with this very beautiful set of scriptures that speaks directly to what a pastor does. And never once do we hear the word speak at all in this um, passage. But let me leave you with this scripture, and I hope it blesses you. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me, in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever.